Alright everybody, good evening. Welcome to Sunday night service. Who is glad to be together tonight in God's house? Anybody with me? Yeah, alright. Well, we are going to have a fantastic time. How many people went to the intentional parenting class earlier, huh? Yeah, I heard some good things already, amen. And so we're excited to hear all the good reports coming out of that class here over the next few weeks. We know that it's going to be absolutely great, all right? Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Amen. And we're going to keep speaking victory into this nation. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. All right, we'll go over some announcements here. Got a lot of great stuff going on. Want to give you a quick update on our HDWC Midtown Chapel location. Amen. Uh, So uh, we have a, we've already said this, we have a little bit of a delay in being able to roll out our uh, 9 a.m. Sunday morning service. Uh, So we're just waiting on a little bit of final uh, paperwork and stuff to go through. But hopefully here in the next few weeks, you know, I don't want to say a date and then be wrong, but hopefully sometime over over the next few weeks, uh, we will be able to get that service started, and we are super pumped up about that. So, uh, amen. Let's just be ready for that. Who's excited for this great opportunity that God's gave us? Amen. It's going to be great. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into some announcements here. Uh, first of all, intentional parenting, as we just mentioned, did start today uh, at 4 o'clock, so it's going from 4 to 5.30, and uh, tonight was the first night, um, and so so you may be able to get a late start and jump in next week, um, but we want to make that opportunity available to everybody. And so again, take advantage of this. We are a family church, and that is our target, is to help the families of Barstow with, with marriages and parenting and grandparenting and all these things. So make sure that you uh, take advantage of these type of classes that we're doing, all right? And let's see, we've got the men's meeting coming up this coming Saturday. Men, are you going going to be there for us. Yes. All right. We're going to be having some breakfast, some Bibles and some bro time. And so be there at 9 a.m. in Victory Hall. It is going to be a great, great day uh, to get together and encourage each other. You know, the Bible tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. And so uh, it's a good, good thing for uh, you to get together with other godly men. And then ladies, when we're doing the, the women's meetings for you to do the same thing. All right. And then uh, we're really excited about this. 
So the Start It In Me worship night is still happening at the Midtown Chapel location. This will be our very first event over there. We do have approval for a one-day thing. So uh, this coming Saturday the 7th, 6 p.m., worship night over there. And it's not just us. Lots of other churches uh, from Barstow are going to be involved with this. Uh, Pastor Josh and some of the other worship leaders are teaming up to lead worship. So who's going to be there Saturday at 6 p.m.? Come on, let's see some hands. Yeah, all right. Be there. Bring some friends with you. And we're going to have a great time worshiping the Lord together. Okay, let's get into some Harvest Fest announcements. Who knows that Harvest Fest is like, I mean, just a few weeks away. This is the key event of the year. I heard it was the best event on the uh, in the whole high desert for the whole year. Has anybody else heard that? Leah heard that. Two of us heard that. So, I mean, that's the word on the street. Uh, Two of us. Yeah, amen. So, uh, anyway, uh, let's get together and make this thing happen. So, we had a yard sale yesterday at the corner of Virginia Way and, what is that, Muriel? And we raised $1,500 at a yard sale, everybody. So, thank you, Jesus. The entire budget for Harvest Fest this year is $6,000 and Desiree, we have 5,000 of it. Am I right? All right. Did you hear that? We are five-sixths of the way there. That's pretty cool. Who else can break that down into a smaller fraction? I stink it out. But anyway, so we're very close to being there and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get over the final, uh, little amount here over the next week or two. Uh, so it's coming up. I want to pass this around. This is the volunteer sign-up sheet to help out with the event. Now, we need all hands on deck. And I know a lot of you, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times the Sunday morning attendees do most of the serving of these things. But I'd like to get some of you, uh, others involved, you know, maybe if you're only here on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights. Let's get the whole family involved this year because we're probably going to be reaching maybe 3,000 people at this event. And we need everybody. So we break it into two different shifts. Uh, the, I don't know what the times are, but it's on there. Look at it. And so, yeah, there's two different shifts. And on top of that, there's a setup crew and a cleanup crew for afterwards. So literally everybody can help out to some extent. But go ahead and and get your name on there. This is uh, the whole family helping out. And we want to make sure we get every slot filled. A lot of it is you would be working one of the little kid games and then you'd switch out with somebody else. Um making sure I've got everything. We still need lots of candy, so keep bringing that candy in. As you know, we've got the children versus the teenagers annual challenge going on, and we heard uh, through a very reliable source that the children are winning uh, this year uh, so far, so we want to help these guys out. Uh, we do know that in 2014, the youth group did win, so I just want to keep throwing that out there. Uh, there was a, you know, I was the youth pastor back then, that doesn't have anything to do with it, so just keep in mind that uh, we want, you remember that, don't you, Leah? I did too, 2014. All right, we'll settle this later. We will settle this later. All right, we will settle this later. We're not going to do this here in front of everybody. All right. Meet me out after the announcements. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> whatever. Uh, praise God. But we, anyway, uh, it would be nice if the teens had a chance to win again for their second time. So, uh, you know, bring the candy in. Either way, it's all going to Harvest Fest for us to reach the children of Barstow. Amen. Okay, I think that's all the announcements for right now that I know of. Um, but who knows what time it is now? 
Amen. Happy time because God loves a cheerful giver. So we get happy when we've got a chance to give. Let's open our Bibles tonight to Psalm 96. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And um, we're going to go ahead and go to Psalm 96 and look at verses 8 and 9. Psalm 96, verses 8 and 9. And uh, this chapter right here pulls out a, a very interesting fact about our giving about our offering. So Psalm 96, I am in the NLT and we're going to look here at verses eight and nine. And it tells us here that a giving of the offering is actually a form of worship. And there's a lot of ways we worship God. We sing, we, you know, we, we uh, serve, but look at this Psalm 96 verses eight and nine. It says, give to the Lord, the glory he deserves. Who thinks you should give to the Lord, the glory he deserves. Amen. And then it says, Bring your offering and come into his courts. And so when we come into the house of God, to the courts of God, we bring an offering. And then verse 9 just keeps on continuing. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let the earth tremble before him. And so as we are bringing in our offering and our tithe, you know, we're not just doing this because, well, we need to give money to keep the church going. That's No, that's silly. Don't do that. It's about worshiping and honoring God. And we've said this so many times that that the giving of the tithe, the giving of the offering, it's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so uh, if, 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 if the Lord has got a good hold of your heart, man, and you want to see the gospel being preached and being spread all throughout Barstow and beyond, it's no issue for us to bring our tithe and our offering in because that's where our heart is. Do we get that tonight? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to speak some words of faith over our giving. Let's stand up together this evening. And we're going to do our financial faith confession, speak some words of faith over our giving. And you're like, well, why do we do all that? Well, the, the, the Bible tells us in Romans that anything that isn't of faith is sin. And so we want to mix faith with everything we do. Amen. With our prayer, with our, our worship, with our giving. We want faith to be right in the middle of everything we do. So that's why we do this. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. If you want, you can join us at the altar for worship tonight. And let's sing to the Lord together. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth? 
with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you lay down your life that I would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king above all kings who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings let's sing that out this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take our place that you would bear our cross you lay down your life would be set free oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me one more time let's see who brings our chaos who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Let's sing this out. Let's sing worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Let's sing that. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. Would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. One more time, let's sing worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Let's sing that. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Now that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. All that you've done for me.
心的。Plan to send Jesus. Had you followed through with your plan, you sent your Son. He lived a perfect life, died for our sins, and then you gave the human race the choice. When we hear the good news, we can receive Jesus, be born again, and get to go to heaven, or we can reject and live under a curse and then spend eternity separated from you. We thank you, Father. That all these people here, and hoping the ones, hopefully the ones watching, receive you tonight, receive you as their savior. And Father, we want to thank you. You didn't leave us helpless on earth. You made provision for us to live in divine health, in godly prosperity, and enjoy life. And Lord, we know that only comes from a life submitted to you. From sacrificially laying down our own desires, and giving them to you, and then following you through the Word of God by the Holy Spirit to fulfill your plan and purpose on the earth. And Lord, I'm so grateful tonight when I share your Word, it's going to resonate in people's hearts, in their souls. They're going to grab it, put it to use in their lives, and be an example to all the world around them that it pays to serve you. It's not a curse. 
Thank you, Lord, for eyes open tonight, hearts open, ears open, and people's lives changed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. I began a series last week on God's financial plan for your life. God's financial plan for your life. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to say. This is so simple, but so instructional of the Word of God. Normally, uh, the Lord, when I preach, I, I just stay with Him so much. I sit down and usually on a Sunday, right before I come, and I'll sit down and say, uh, what are we doing tonight? And I'll write down what I preached in about 20 minutes. I got it all out because I got decades and decades of the Word of God and lots of Holy Spirit. And so I do that this week. Uh, on Wednesday morning, I sat down for my time with him, and he gave me what I've got for tonight. And I, in Jesus' name, I'll be getting out real simple because it, it's almost a mini book, but it's going to be condensed enough to get some points across tonight. But I really, it's amazed me. I sit there for a half a day writing down the nuggets I'm going to teach tonight, and that's how serious God is about helping you in the times we live in to be able to have a successful life and the spiritual, your spiritual condition always determines your natural outcome. Your spiritual condition always determines your natural outcome, how things are going to go. And so the, words, the Word of God, Jesus said in John 60, 63, said their spirit and their life. The Holy Spirit inspired these words. As a matter of fact, as we look at this tonight, I'm, I'm going to show you a couple of books in a minute, but not yet. As, as, as we look at this tonight, I was thinking as we were worshiping, saw stuff that I hadn't seen before. How many know that Jesus many times taught in parables? Parables. That's a natural illustration to get across the spiritual truth. He talked about soul women. He was talking to fishermen. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so that just like fishermen have to have skill at what they're doing, they have to know the right bait to use, what the climate's like around them, what the water is, the wind is, what kind of fish are biting. Well, as many years as a truck driver, I drove trucks for 28 years. <clears throat> a lot of those years as a Christian, I learned how to go fishing while I delivered to medical places. I learned how to go fishing at, at military places. I learned how to go fishing, delivered to supermarkets, warehouses, railroad places. I drove all over Indiana, lots of places, and I'd sometimes professional places. I'm talking about the governor's office and places in Indianapolis. I delivered to places, but I always knew what was biting and what kind of bait to use because I followed Jesus. And Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then I, I realized that this is a quick review for last week. Now what I'm going to say is I was, as I was up here worse, but I saw this. The same Holy Spirit that inspired Jesus to give natural illustrations, help people understand spiritual truths, was the same Jesus talked, was the same Spirit talked to Solomon. Last week, I'm not going to go into last week except to say this. The Holy Spirit last week laid the foundation in lesson one from Proverbs 24, verse three and four. He talked about having a plan to build a house and then knowing the steps of the plan to take to build the house. And then the third thing was actually getting off your and start building. And so what that was, that was a natural illustration the Holy Spirit gave to Solomon on how to build your spiritual house. And then you remember then in Luke, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus said, 
the wise man built his house upon the rock. And then it said that that rock, that solid foundation, was hearing his word and obeying his word. It wasn't, it wasn't the word, it wasn't the foundation. It was hearing it and building it. And so when you act on the word, your foundation is getting laid solid. And so anyway, that's a quick recap. There's a whole lot more of it last week. <clears throat> we ended up last week by giving you an assignment for James chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, about how to get the plan of God for your life, especially for your finances, how to get the plan. And this week, we're going to look at step number one for that plan. But I want to show you some things first out of the bookstore that will really, really help you. And this first one's called Biblical Keys for Financial Prosperity by Brother Hagen. We talk about Kenneth E. Hagen a lot, but uh, I think I, I, I teach the Word of God more like Kenneth Hagen than anybody else. I didn't know him personally. I was around him a lot. I wasn't one of his buddies, but I was around him a lot. And Kenneth E. Hagen is, it has influenced me to be able to know a lot of deep spiritual truths, but teach them so simple that a high school dropout can get them or a college professor. Matter of fact, back in Indiana, I had a college professor that uh, I wasn't super educated, so all I know I call her, she was a DDT, a TTP, a PP, PhD, and everything like that. The only PhD I ever had was a postal digger. So, but anyway, she, she used to come to my healing school on Wednesday mornings, and then she'd come to all the services, and she was a super duper professor. As a matter of fact, she was one of the professors that taught some of Osama bin Laden before he got his, all of his bad reputation. The, the, uh, what's that guy's name? The, the terrorist? I can't even get his name. Osama, whatever he was. I don't think of goofballs. But anyway, she, she, her job at Indiana University, she was a refiner of doctors from around the globe coming to Indiana University, and she had a super class to influence them. Once she came to my healing school for a couple months, she started telling people, she said, I'm a teacher. This man's a master teacher. And I'm not saying that bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus and the way he's taught me to teach the word of God to make it simple to help people's lives change. And so anyway, that was that. But Kenneth Hagin taught me so much. And then also another thing here that uh, Mrs. Pastor put this together. It's called Nuggets of Gold on Your Finances. And over the years, woman's been by my side for about all my adult life. That she's heard me preach for over 40 years. And sometimes I say things <clears throat> that I don't, didn't come out of my head, but out of my spirit. And so she's collected things for years. She has dozens of these books back there in the bookstore, but they're just things that are really, she calls them nuggets of gold, things that are just one-liners, most of them, that will help you understand the Word of God better and they'll encourage you. And then something else I want to show you too, that a lot of you may know about this, but some of you don't. We do devotionals every month, and they're free. Got them online. Got them on the table back there. And this one here is called How to Encourage Yourself in the Lord. How to Encourage Yourself in the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I found about me that uh, your closest friends sometimes aren't even on your side. Sometimes Christians are quick to judge. Amen? Or oh me. And so anyway, you need to learn to be your best cheerleader. You praise Jesus, but the Bible says over and over again things like rejoice. You rejoice. What does rejoice means? That means you have to have your joy all over again. Only one way you can do that. You start talking about the victories you've had, all the impossible times 
looked like you were knocked out, knocked down, never get back up again. You got to start talking out loud. Well, I remember that time you did this, Jesus. I remember that time that happened. I remember that time they all turned on me, Jesus. It looked like just me and you, but we, the, we were the majority. Lord, we won. You've got to learn to do that for yourself and stay off of social media whining. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and clap back. See, nobody else is. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, those are, those are out there. And uh, make use of those things. Those will help you. They've helped, helped me all my life. So anyway, tonight... Uh, we're, we're going to think about the house and look at the house. And this is all going to be on the screen tonight, pretty much. You're going to look at John 10, 10, B in the Amplified. It's mainly what I'm going to be talking of on that. But for, for, the, for, for your financial foundation, like building a house, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. And so the first couple of verses I'm going to look at is going to be God's plan. He shows in the Bible very clearly for all believers for what their life should be like. And uh, I, I think about houses. Uh, I, I look at my favorite realtor out here tonight, or broker, or I should say brokers and assistees or something. But uh, anyway, we've done a lot of business with Nadine Mumford. She's an excellent real estate lady. And if we have anybody else in here without slighting you, just do good. But the thing is, there's lots of houses we've looked at together and things we've done, but nobody wants to get a house that somebody else likes and says you should like it too. You want the house you want. Amen. We're all different. And so when you go to build a house, especially when they're being to show you plans and you look at drawings and things like that, if you look at it and say, no, I want the bathroom over here. I want the bedroom right here. And nobody says, but I want the kitchen on the roof. No. People that don't have plans are allowed to build a goofy house, have anything but you got to see the plan of what you want. And how many do you know that God has a better plan than you've got for your life? Much better plan. And, you know, I, I want to say it again and talk about houses. <clears throat> Jesus did not say in my father's house are many trailer homes. Amen. Or any shacks. He said my father's house are many mansions. Amen. He said the streets are made out of gold. The walls around are made out of jewels. So God has a different vision than what earth does. Do you know that somewhere along the line, just as always, the devil slipped in and fed, fed a poverty vision to the body of Christ? Amen. You're not going to find it in the Bible for God's people. Now, God doesn't want us to be greedy or covetous or wasteful, but God's very extravagant. Amen. One time... One time back in Indiana, I'll never forget it. We was driving down the highway. I saw a great big house, and I was a pastor. A great big, really, really mansion house being built way up on a hill. And my wife and I were riding down the road, and I said, that must be some rich lawyer or doctor. And you know what Jesus said to me? as plain as anything. Why couldn't it be a rich preacher? Amen. Did you ever notice that people don't get mad about other people having money unless they're a preacher? Are Christians? Oh, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so we got to see God's vision. Because you know what God's vision is? That's the finished product of what you want the house to look like. Well, the first thing you're going to do, you go look at a house you want to build. You're going to look at a bunch of from the outside first. Because if you don't like what you see driving up to it, why would you want to drive up to it, drive up to that house for years and years and years? Think, I hate this house. I hate this house. I hate this house. Get the right house the first time. Know what the goal is 
and then work your way up to where you actually get the house and then all the time be, be, be just whining because how come that bathroom's so far away from the bedroom? I should have got a bathroom right here. You know, you need to know what it looks like in advance. Get those plans out there, what you see. And so if people are that serious of building a physical building to live in, why not be at least that serious to build your life according to God's plan? To build your life according to God's plan. My, my family, uh, I had a good family, but my family, my parents came out of the Depression. Anybody ever heard of what they called the Great Depression? Well, my grandparents, my parents, all I ever heard was poor, 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 poor. Never, never, never bought new stuff. Always found old stuff or put something together, et cetera, et cetera. And I learned how to do that really good. And I said, probably said about the last 15 years, I've really finally mostly got that poverty thinking out of my head. And uh, my daughter-in-law is not here, but it's because of Katie. Ma'am, I saw Katie throwing good stuff away. I got the church dumpster, get it out so I could fix it. Well, that's the truth. That's all I do is something's broke this little bit. Why not fix it? You can't throw that away. I finally got over that for the most part. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying, we got to be able to think like God thinks. And so we want to build that good foundation. And so the end result, end result of God's financial plan for all believers is John 10, 10b in the Amplified Bible. And of course, in the King James, I'll quote it for you. It starts off by saying, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and that more abundantly. But I want you to see the last part of that in the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> Here's what God wants your life to look like. God wants your life. This is your goal. Nobody starts off on the top. We all got to take baby steps to get there. Here's the goal of what you need to get into your heart, into your soul, into your thinking. You've got to start having this on the inside of you. Here's God's plan for your life. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Nobody enjoys life if they're poor. Nobody enjoys life if they're sick. Nobody enjoys life if they hate their job. Nobody enjoys life if their family's separated. Amen? He said he came. This, this is the house he wants you to have. To have it enjoy life and have it, and, 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 and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. My wife and I, after all these years, get to the place where we got that kind of life. We've been getting so much stuff and so much stuff and so much stuff. Sometimes we buy stuff, but really basically, I quit buying a few years ago because so I got so much stuff. I've been giving stuff away and giving stuff away and giving stuff away. And every time I give stuff away, more stuff shows up. More stuff show up. I've been between two neighbors that are pretty wealthy, and they're both moving. And I'm getting stuff put in my garage. They ought to get in my garage. I'm coming out there, got new loads of stuff in my garage and in my driveway out there. Good stuff. Last week, had the family come over. They're, well, they're probably where they're moving to now. And, and so they, were, they said, we're closeaholics. We're closeaholics. Bought us tubs and tubs and tubs of new rich clothes with tags still on them. Because they're moving and didn't have anything to do with them, but give them to us. So what do we do? We got what we wanted out of them, gave them to some church people that took a bunch of them to the yard, so we gave them away. So now you know what's going to happen again? Because Jesus said, give it, it shall be given unto you. I guess a whole bunch more clothes are going to show up. <laughs> Amen. But no, that's what I'm saying. He said to have and enjoy life and abundance to the full till it overflows. 
Well, I started preaching as a pastor. I'd already preached for about 10 years uh, off and on as a truck driver. Uh, when the Lord was wanting me to go into pastoring, I didn't have any good suits to wear. Well, we had this really rich guy at our church, and he gave a bunch of new suits because he was in a business where he had to get new suits all the time. Gave probably about, I guess, six or eight or more new suits to my brother. My brother's this tall and I'm this tall. And so there's, you know, Jethro Bodine that's halfway up to his knees. And so he said, hey, you can have these suits if you want them. I said, well, Jesus, I can't use that excuse anymore. I can dress right now. But I didn't have any shirts. And so I went to the Goodwill stores to buy shirts. That's what I do. I don't have to go to the Goodwill anymore. Unless I want to to find antiques. Amen. So I'm just saying this is something that God wants you to have in your heart. That God wants you to have and enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows. Get this. This is the house. This is the blueprint. This is the goal. If your life is not there, you don't give up. You don't quit. You don't whine. And I said, I said something last week. I'll say again. I can't get these bunny trails. I got too much stuff here. I got a hit. Is this. Don't you, because of news you see on TV, internet lies, stuff like that, get into class warfare about the rich always get richer, the poor get poorer. That's from Satan's book 101. He wants to have class warfare. Nobody of this world has bad luck or good luck. The Bible teaches, now, I can't hit all these bunny trails. I've got to talk to myself. The Bible teaches, teaches on this earth in the fall of the Garden of Eden, there's a curse come on the earth. God had a blessing on earth through Adam and Eve, and then the curse came in with Satan with the fall of man. As living, you get born again, you get out, you get out of the influence of the curse, and you come into the blessings. And so Christians, when you get born again, you come free from the curse of sin and death of going to hell. And have to go through all those things. And then he said, I sent for you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. And so there's a lot of Christians that have got wealthy because they made right choices. Amen. There's a lot of people come out on top because they make right choices, operating in the covenant of God like we're going to talk about tonight, and they walk in the favor of God. Doors open. Things happen because the favor of God has nothing to do with luck. Amen, amen, amen. I faithfully served Satan for 28 and a half years, and all I have is bad luck. You know why? Because I was cursed. I remember one day <laughs> I was driving down the road, see a friend of mine. Everybody here for Renault? I had an old Renault. I had an old French car. It used to be kind of popular. Joe Jeffrey Renault. I had a Renault. And I come down the road and it was right by my friend's house. And I hit a hole. My, flat, my left front tire blew out. And I pulled right in his driveway to help me change the tire. He looked at me and he said, don't look now, Bernie. The left rear's out too. I mean, I couldn't just get a flat tire two at a time. But I'm not cursed anymore. So, amen. I have an enjoy life. At 3 John 2, look at 3 John 2. This is, part, this is part of the plan. 3 John 2, I'll give you a chance to get there. And I, I hope you're taking notes. Notes are so good. Maybe we'll be able to make a mini book out of this series here. Because this, this is really some good, simple Bible truth from the Word of God to help all of you. Come up to a higher level of life that God has for you. And and uh, to be able to see something different in your heart. Because if you don't see it in your heart first, you'll never get it. Your heart, your spirit is where the Holy Spirit is. That's where life comes from. 
Third John 2 said, Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper. Back in 1992 when I was pastoring, I'm going to do my first things teaching on this kind of teaching. I'll never forget it. I had, I had this as my key verse. I was going to do a series on Sunday night back then, as a matter of fact. And I got up there and I say, I wish above all things thou mayest prosper. I stopped. I couldn't say it being helped. The Lord kept taught me. He had me emphasis prosperity. Beloved, above all things, God said through the apostle John, how many know that John had great favor of Jesus? And he was an old man at this point in time. He said, God said for you, how many here are born again Christians? Born again Christians. You know what? He calls you his beloved then. And you know, I can put your name in this. I can say Billy. I can say Raymond. I can say Michael. Above all else, God's plan for you is for you to prosper. Amen. God said it. I didn't. God said it. I'm the messenger. Nick, above all else, he wants you to prosper and to be in health. But he had one condition on it. Even as thy soul prospers. Can I tell you what? You can't feed on hateful social media half your life and prosper because that's destroying your soul. It's not helping you. Amen. Amen. It's a good place to, place to preach if you're going to preach. Because a lot of people are there like we used to be. They'll get to see you preaching. So if it's a preaching platform, that's a good one. But if it's a, something you want to get in for the, for the hate stuff and listen to all the garbage about politicians and everybody else, your soul is not going to prosper. So guess what? You're striking out for you ever got to bat. Amen. That's why I said he wants you to prosper and be in health. So God said, this is your blueprint again to have to enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. This is the blueprint. This is the finished product of what you want your life to look like. This is what you want your spiritual house to look like. And God said he wants you to enjoy to the full till it overflows, have abundance, and he wants you to prosper. And so I got some definitions here for prosper because we're talking about financial success for you. Amen. Because we are, you need to know what words mean. Prosper in the Greek from the, comes from this word E-U-O-D-O-O. And that means to help on the road or succeed in reaching. To help on the road or succeed in reaching. And so what that means is this. Your life is not a microwave. It's a slow cooker. Amen. You don't microwave because get rich quick schemes destroy you. I remember, I don't, because I'm not in that world out there anymore, I remember years and years ago before I got saved, they had these pyramid schemes going around truck driving circles all the time. Everybody always had some kind of a new thing going up. And man, I tell you what, they, they, they show you all the stuff, all the literature and things. And man, get on the, get on the ground floor with this thing as the pyramid going up like that. But the thing was, the ones right there on top got it all. And when you run out of friends or family to con, it was over. Our fellow church members, we don't let that in this church. <laughs> Amen. We're not going to have any pyramid schemes here. There's no get-risk-quick schemes here going to take your money away. We don't go for that. Amen. That's not Bible. God's thing is this E-U-O-D-O-O word. Don't know how to pronounce that. But he said, I'm going to help you on the road, succeed in reaching. And the Bible teaches many places our life is a race. It's a journey on the road. And as we grow in our Christianity, as we grow in our serving Jesus, as we grow in doing the things we know do morally right, 
we're going to keep on marching down that road. And as we're going along that road, more and more and more of the having and enjoying life in abundance is going to jump on us. Because he said he wants us to prosper. That's why he's going to help us. But then I like this definition, definition out of Webster's. This prosper means to cause to succeed, especially economic success. To cause to succeed, especially economic success, to flourish, to thrive. To flourish, to thrive. And again, what I'm doing right now, we're going to get down to step number one in a minute, but I'm very meticulously going very slow to lay a foundation how this works. This is not just a goosebump thing just to make you feel good so when you leave that somebody will say, well, how was your church service Sunday night? Oh, it was good. I loved it. But what did your pastor talk about? I don't know, but it sure made me feel good. Well, I don't want you just to feel good. I want to leave you something that will make your life good for decades to come. Proverbs also teaches, which was inspired by God through Solomon, that a good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. God wants us as believers to prosper enough in life that we leave something besides a bad name. He wants us to leave a good name. He wants us to leave something for our kids and our grandkids. He wants us to prosper. Somebody said, well, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I was too, but I got born again. I got born again. I come up higher now. Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I live on earth. In heaven... In heaven, he makes the streets out of gold. I'm not preaching false prosperity. I'm just telling you that God is not opposed to wealth. If he was, then he'd say, when you guys get to heaven, make sure you join the road crew. Got to fill these holes in. Amen. Or Samples family, everybody else living over here. You got a trailer over here. The shack's over here. Get over here. He said, many mansions. Amen. Get a hold of this. Got to change your thinking to come up higher according to the will of God. Did Jesus mean it or not when he said, I want you to enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows? The only thing you should have great tape for is not to patch up your car fitters to go down the road, to put over your mouth if you can't control your mouth. Amen. And so anyway, uh, thrive. Uh, this word thrive in this definition also means to gain in wealth or possessions. To gain. We should be gaining. To progress toward or realize a goal. You got to have financial goals. And tonight I'm going to be only talking about one step because that's as far as I'm going tonight. But there's many other steps I'm going to be teaching in the Sundays to come about steps. But how many would know that if you don't take the first step, you go nowhere? Amen. And in God's kingdom, there's not any giant steps or skipping steps. God wants you to progress. He wants you to learn. He wants you to grow. And so this this lesson is Bible steps to accomplishing God's financial plan for your life. Bible steps. Not natural steps, but Bible steps because the spiritual and the natural work together. Now, Psalms 37:23 has always been one of my go-to verses my whole life. Psalms 37:23 says, "The steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Who is the commander-in-chief of our Christian army? The Lord. 
What do commander chiefs do? They give orders. It says they're ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God has a plan and I, I, look, I look at where he is up higher than us and when we get in the spirit, when we're people that know how to pray and get in the spirit, we start seeing what he sees. And by getting in the spirit, I mean when you're a praying person and a Bible person. Because if you never read your Bible and think you're getting in the spirit, you're probably smoking dope and having hallucinations. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. Because you have to have your Bible in your prayer closet if you're going to see what God sees. You have to have your Bible. And so when you see what God sees, he sees up higher. I used to drive semis for all those years. And when I drove those big trucks, and I, I, I could see way up the road, I could see a wreck up there. I could see taillights coming off way up there, and we're back here. So I started slowing down back here because I knew all these cars couldn't see it yet. I knew in a minute they were going to slam their brakes on, so I was ready in advance because I knew trouble was coming. Or I'd be on the road in a big truck like that, and all of a sudden I'd see it blocked off, but I'd see an exit before that way back here. I thought, man, I'm getting off here. I don't want to be in that mess. I would get off. Well, the steps of a good matter ordered by the Lord means that God sees further than you see. And sometimes you don't know why God's having you leaving this job and go to that job. I found out before sometimes because God knew this job, no matter how good it looked this year, was gone next year. And so I got a head start on the rest of them. I got out there ahead of them because he knew it. And you don't see down the road what God has concerning a relationship. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And this next part, and he delighteth in his way, I see two things. Number one, God delights in you and me when we take the steps he shows us. But then we delight in the steps because we took the right steps. And so I see two phases there. He delights, we delight when we follow the steps. And once again, this is even as your soul prospers. If you're a person that's not a serious Christian, if you're a Sunday morning Christian or whatever, uh, you know, as, as Pastor Dave said, because of People have different jobs and things that can't come Sunday morning or Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, whatever it is. If you're just a person that just does that for your feel-good fix for the week, then your soul's not going to be in very good shape. I mean, you're going to bless me, but we want more than a bless me. We want a life that ends in prosperity, divine health, good relationships, children that don't want to leave the home as soon as old enough to run because you're hypocritical phony religion we should live at home what we do in church what I should have said that man I struck a nerve somewhere we ought to be the same everywhere uh, grandson Joel went home with us today and Mrs. Pastor and I we don't have arguments but sometimes we talk loud where people can hear us but <laughs> and so we were having discussions something come to church I turned around looked at Joel and I said Joel I said, you're well prepared for marriage. You're getting to hang around with your grandparents. Got 50-some bunches of years on both sides of marriage. And we can teach you a lot of things to do in communication. (laughs) Amen. And so what I'm saying, we ought to be able to live at home what we live in church and be able to have discussions with family members without fighting. Amen. And so you want to have a prosperous soul. And so uh, notice... That, that Jesus usually only gives us one step at a time because that's how we walk to get somewhere in the natural realm. One step at a time. Remember the natural and the spiritual? He's talking about spiritual things here. 
but they're natural things. And so he says the steps of good, bad, are ordered by the Lord. And so that's one step at a time. Unless we're willing to take the first step to go visit our next door neighbor, all we have is good intentions. Amen. You, you know, sometimes we're thinking that uh, we'd like to take some cookies over to them. Or sometimes we're thinking we'd like to invite them over for a barbecue. Or we're thinking something. Well, unless we actually walk out the door and take a step heading that way, had good intentions. Tonight, as I'm teaching what I'm teaching, and we get around to some things I'm going to show you, you'll, you'll get excited because people always get excited in church. You'll get excited and some of you on the side are thinking, man, I know that God's been talking. He's been speaking to me already. And then somebody say, well, pastor, that was confirmation. <laughs> well, that's what you hear a lot of times people say. That was confirmation. Well, a lot of people have confirmation, but they never got confirmed. <laughs> that's true. And so the steps of good matter ordered by the Lord. And so all you had for changing your lifestyle to head for what God has for you is just good intentions if you don't take the first step. Amen. Amen. That's the absolute truth. And so in accomplishing God's financial plan, usually the first few steps are the hardest. Uh, little Bella, our newest little, is she the newest? I don't know. We have so many. we got grandkids everywhere. But uh, is little Bella the newest still? Oh, we have one after that? Oh, we got a Hosea now too, yeah. Uh, we got another one coming. But anyway... I've watched these little kids for years. I've watched little kids. How many here start off as a full-grown athletic adult man able to do the marathons? Anybody? We all started the same. We all started the same. Little kids, and Bella had the cute little drag, but I can't go into that. She had drug out one leg. But little kids start off, and you're so concerned they're going to get hurt. They bump, they stagger, they fall, and all kinds of things like that. Baby Christians are the same way. And then Christians are even mature seasoned Christians like a lot of you. Sometimes when God is getting your attention to be able to change something, he says the steps are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes when you're doing something you've never done or something you've resisted for a long time because you just did. Christians should never say, oh, that's hard, that's hard, that's hard. Well, anything we do by faith is going to be hard to start off with. Then it becomes a part of our lifestyle. And so why is that, that those first steps are so hard sometimes? Well, look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Isn't it so wonderful to have the Word of God answer our questions and help us understand how things work in the spiritual realm? So we can do them in the natural realm and know we're getting results. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We're talking about spiritual steps. We walk by faith, not by sight. And what that means for what we're talking about in this financial arena is this. And this is going to help a bunch of you right now not to quit on what you're facing in life. I know that uh, times are tough right now around the world. Times are tough in America. Lots of things that are happening, the financial things. Gasoline affects everything. Gasoline affects how much you're going to spend at the grocery store this week. Diesel determines how much your tools and your parts are going to cost. All those things have a ripple effect, and they all affect everybody across the land. 
And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like to knock on politicians, but most of them don't have your best interests at heart. Politicians want to do the blame game. They always want to pass the buck. Every time they say, well, we're going to raise it this much because the rich people raised it, they got to have it. Well, they raise what it costs you and make you pay more. You know, you go to get a fast food that used to cost you two years ago, six or seven dollars, cost you 15 now. You know why that is? Rich people got rich because they just raised their profit margin. And so they say, but no, they're going to pay their fair share. No, you pay their fair share and they take it from you. Then somebody else gets the class warfare going again and says, look what they did. Is anybody smart enough to see that? When they raise it, they might think to take more off the rich. But who makes the rich rich? It's the people that buy from their stores. Amen. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that to make this point. We walk by faith, not by sight. And I want to explain that. We live and function in parallel worlds, the spiritual and the natural. We can see our income and available finances with our physical eyes, how much things cost at our ongoing expenses. All you have to do is drive down the road and look what the gas stations say. You're seeing that. How much that cost. And then you're seeing your paycheck. How much you got coming in. And so when you see that, it takes faith from God's word in our heart to override our natural thinking. That's walking by faith and not by sight. You're walking by what God says in his word, what he speaks in your heart, and not by what you see with your eyes. And so it takes faith to override our natural thinking and begin taking steps of faith because our spiritual eyes and heart believe God's word is real and true and he's talking to us. How many believe John 3.16 when you heard it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if Bernie believes in him, he'll have everlasting life. That spoke to me personally when the Baptist pastor preached that when I was a kid. I heard that. And when I saw that, I knew Jesus was called, called, talking to me. We said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that was talking to me. That was God talking to me. That was Jesus. I went up to the Baptist altar. I went up there because that wasn't just the words of the Bible. That was Jesus talking to me. And when the word of God tells me, walk by faith, not by sight, I can't let things that I see in the natural world destroy what I believe in my heart. In my heart, I believe that above all things, he wants me to prosper and be in health. Amen. Even if I don't have it yet, he wants me to have it, and that's my goal. Amen. Jesus wants me to have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And when I see that, I think, man, I'd like to have those days of giving my gas tank overflowed. Amen. Am I, am I preaching to anybody? I'm telling you how this works. When you take these steps, you have got to know in your heart what God says about it. And that's how you walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Amen. And always remember this. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Faith is not denial. <laughs> Faith is not denial at all. I know. I know what I thought last few weeks when I look at Gas Buddy. I was down to drive my pickup truck. Didn't get very good. I sold my, my other couple of cars I sold. And then right when I sold them, I had my pickup truck that did it on a good day, we get 17 miles to a gallon. On most days, got 13 miles to a gallon. 
And all of a sudden, when I was going into the gas station a couple times a week at $105, $102 like that, all of a sudden, man, my sight was going, woo, woo, woo. And on this side, I was going, God rebukes the devourer for me. Windows have heaven open on me. But truck, you're going to be parked beside the garage for a while unless we have to go somewhere. Amen. That's what he says. We walk by faith, not by sight. But remember this again. Write this down if you don't have this. Faith doesn't deny things. I didn't deny that. Amen. But faith changes things. And so I believe that whatever I had to do, what I need to do, I was going to have more than enough for gas that wasn't going to bankrupt me. Anybody, anybody see what I'm saying? This relate to anything. Amen. Amen. And so always remember that faith does deny faith changes and faith is what you believe and what you say. You got to keep your mouth working, speaking the word, speaking the word, speaking the word. Now, Matthew 6, 33, Matthew 6, 33, I'm heading to a place here to give you that first step, but I've got to lay this foundation first. You've got to see this. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, but seek ye when it is convenient. But seek ye if you don't have something special like a ball game coming on. Or you got free passes to Disney. Or guess what? They're having the two-for-one special down at the taco house. But seek ye first. We're talking about first steps tonight. We're talking about first steps. Jesus is the one that orders your steps. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. As your soul prospers, so will your financial prosperity. As your soul prospers. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these, and I emphasize this, things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. Pleasing God. Seek ye first the things of God, and things shall be added unto you. Matter of fact, I was just thinking, a couple, two or three months ago, I got a bunch of suits given to me. And I passed them on to my son-in-law. Because the guy that the guy that evidently had these suits blocked my son-in-law. I look up to Colin. And so I put the suits on, and the sleeves come way down past my hands, and the pants were dragging the ground. And I said, just like when I got the ministry, my brother gave me those suits to fit me. Now I get some suits to give to somebody else. You know why? Because I put the kingdom of God first. So things were added to me. Things. Do you think God's smart to know what things are? You think Jesus knows what things are? He said, put him first. He adds things. He does them. I'm so grateful I got into this flow many, many years and years and years ago where I learned I don't have to buy everything I need. Faith brings in most of what I need. But I praise God that I got money to buy new stuff if I want to. But why should I have to buy a lot of stuff if people are giving it to me anyway? And why do people give me a lot of stuff? Because I seek the kingdom first. And I'm saying this to all you sold out, dedicated Christians sitting in here and you watching out there. This is talking about your life. Talk about your life. You're a good Christian. You're putting Jesus first. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to be broke. Amen. Listen to what I'm saying. This Bible is Jesus talking to me. This Bible is Jesus talking to you. But did you notice he didn't say, if you'll go seeking things, 
then I'll be added to you. He said, no, you seek me and I'll add the things. Did you notice there's a difference? Amen. He said, put me first and I'll add things to you. And so, uh, as, as we look at this, I think about something he told me years and years and years ago that, that paraphrased this verse would say something like this. Go for the expansion of God's family first. He will cause you to have economic success. Go for the expansion of the kingdom of God. How does, how, how does the Samples family expand? Well, don't stare at my daughter, but that's how my family grows. The, you know, the girls, they get married and things happen. And so we have a lot of grandkids now. The Samples family expanded because we had babies. What, what, no, no, listen, I'm serious. What do you call a new Christian? A baby Christian. The Bible says baby Christians. And so our church growth here, a lot of our church growth has been out of baby Christians in this church. All of you bringing friends, family, neighbors, co-workers in here have got born again. We have usually every week, we have several people born again through the services and things. Every week we have people. You know what happens when that happens? God calls it the expansion of his kingdom. That's the kingdom of God first. It grows. And God says when his kingdom grows, he's going to add things to us because it takes things to take care of the babes. Amen. It t- takes things to keep things moving. And so it says go for the expansion first and then we'll have economic success. So how many now are ready for step number one? We got the foundation laid for that. You're seeing things to do and what God's plan is. Step number one in God's financial plan for every believer, look at Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And I'm not going to look at verse 8 and 9, but I'll briefly miss them in a minute. But it tells you in verse 8 and 9 that there's a curse on your finances if you're a believer that's a God robber. And there's only one way to come out of the curse. The world's living under the curse anyway, and they don't even know it because they don't read their Bible. We read our Bible because we read our Bible, we know there's a curse out there. You know, to me, I would say probably 42 and a half years ago, the word luck, the word luck got erased from my vocabulary. I've never, ever, 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 ever said I'm lucky since probably the early part of 1980. I got born again and was taught these things. I thought, wait a minute, I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. Some good things happen to me in life. Somebody said, man, you're lucky. Well, if it's somebody I can tell the truth with, I'll just say, no, that wasn't, that wasn't luck. That was blessing. But it's people that sometimes do more damage than good if you try to talk Christianese to people that are out there and are resistant. So you just kind of keep your mouth shut. You mumble yourself, no, I'm blessed. I break that curse in Jesus' name. I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. And so anyway, Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says that there's a curse out there on the world's economic system. And then in verse 10, he tells us the one way to get out of it. Amen. Now listen to me again. This is step number one. And if you don't get a hold of step number one, then basically what it comes down to is this. 100% of your finances still have the curse on them. But when you get this curse off, then you have 90% left. But it's got the blessing of God on the 90%. And a blessed 90% will go far, much further, do much more in your life than a cursed 100. Amen. That's just Bible. Step number one in God's financial plan is bringing you all the tithes. Notice the tithes. 
And I told Mrs. Pastor something really funny. When the Lord was giving this to me Wednesday morning, I said, that really jumped off at me, tithes. I would just, I, I just always kind of just said tithe, bring you all the tithe. It's not tithe, there's tithes. Some people have multiple sources of income. These farmers back then, what I saw in this, he was talking, he was talking to shepherds. He was talking to orchard owners. And so they had income from lots of sources. And so he said, now listen, you guys, bring the, did you see it in the Old Testament? Bring the tithes off your herds and your flocks in. Bring the tithes off your crops in. Said, whatever you do, give me the first 10%. Seek be blessed. Bring you all the tithes. Can you see that? Says, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, as I, we go down this last part right here, you're the Sunday night people that can handle this. And you can watch it, you can watch it on YouTube or Facebook later on. But I think you're going to understand the tithing part from God's perspective better than ever as I explain this to you tonight. It says, bring you all the tithes to the storehouse. Why is that? God says, so there may be food, meat, food in my house. And so for New Testament believers, God's talking about the local church. This is God's storehouse for you. The storehouse is where you have things stored up. God has spiritual food for you in this house. How many believe that? Spiritual food in the house he has, the local church is so many things. This is the armory, the troops that are here now for our weekend training to go to war this week. This is the hospital. This is where you come to get healed up this week. This is the place of refuge where you come to be loved and encouraged this week. God said, bring you all the tithe to my storehouse. This is God's storehouse for you. Every believer needs a storehouse. They need a pastor. They need a family. So anyway, he says, every believer is to have a pastor, a church family, and a physical place to come together to fellowship, to be taught the word of God, and serve according to the gifts that Jesus has entrusted to him. Whether you know it or not, we're not all made the same. I've tried being the janitor before, and I got in trouble. Because God put me in the body of Christ not to be the janitor, to be a feeder. And then there's some people that they're not feeders. They're supposed to be other, other things. They, they, they feed their families, of course, spiritually to help other people. But in the house of God, everybody has a different function. That's what we need to serve. That's the place, he says, he says it's a place to bring their tithes and offerings so there'll be food in God's house. That's what God said the purpose of the tithe is, that there may be meat in my house. Now, I want you to hold your place and look at Luke chapter 4, verse 4. I really like you to see things of the word because God wants you to understand what the word of God says. Luke chapter four, verse four. He says, and I'll give you a chance to get there. It's so good to see those pages turning. <clears throat> you know, it's really good to have the Bible on cell phones, iPads or whatever else you do. But to me, I've always loved to have my own Bible. Because when I mark up my Bible, when I open up to a page, look at a verse right then, I might have yellow right next to another verse or red light around something. Or in my Bible, when God gives me revelation and speaks things to me, I'll put my Bible to date. I'll put 10-1-23, and then I'll put a little note beside what God said to me. And then I'll be going through something, 
year two, three, five years from now, and I'll be at a service with Dr. Barclay or somebody or Pastor Dave. I'll read that. And I'll say, what's that yellow for? I go, whoo-wee. I'm all excited again. I remember what he said again. He helped me. So that's why I like to have a Bible and look at it because iPhones come and iPhones go, but your Bible's still here. Amen. And so Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone or food alone. And this is another one of those natural illustrations to get across the spiritual truth. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so what did he say? He said, bring the tithe to the storehouse so it would be spiritual food. The word of God can be taught in my house. And Jesus said, we can't live by natural food alone. we got to live by spiritual food too. Jeremiah 3.15, it's important for you to see this. Look at Jeremiah 3.15. And I'm thinking about, you know, a lot of churches are used to where they have a service. we got to get in, got to get out because we're busy. Well, are you too busy to come out of debt? Are you so busy you want to keep not having gas money? Are you so busy... They still have to live off of handouts all the time. I'm not coming against that at all, man. We live most of our life that way. But I praise God that I'm the one that can give the handout. I want to say that again. I'm glad I'm the one. <clears throat> Missing pastors, pastor and I are big public givers. There are lots of people who went to our church over the years. We made their house payments for them. We bought Christmas for the whole family before. And we're not bragging on us. I'm just saying we've risen out of poverty we're now, we're not the one praying to send somebody to help us. We're the ones that pray, who can we help? Amen. Are you getting this? And so I'm saying, I'm looking at a few verses, but I've laid a foundation to help you not to be broke no more. Amen. Jeremiah 3.15, <clears throat> and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you. What are we feeding? Spiritual food. Man doesn't live by bread alone. Where we feed it at, bring the tithe to my storehouse, so there'll be food. Can you see the pattern? Why God wants the tithe to come to the storehouse. It gets you out of the curse, but it takes care of the house so you can be fed spiritual food. I'll give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so, you know, just to think about it, how many, since you've been coming to this church, have been fed with some knowledge and understanding? How many understand some word of God that have helped your lives and changed your lives coming here? Well, that's what he said. He said, that's what the tithe's for. That's step number one to your prosperity. God said, first thing, Jesus said, seek you first, the kingdom. And then God said, you're under a curse. Bring the tithe in. And so not only does it get the curse off of you, it gets the blessing into your family, but also, it makes sure your church is there with pastors that can feed you spiritual food with knowledge and understanding. You understand what to do. I cannot tell you the last 40-some years how many times I've walked out of the church and somebody would say, Pastor, is talking right to me, talking right to me. And this Hey, Pastor, was you in my house? Just last week somebody said, was you in our house listening? You talked right to us. I, I got a text Eastern time. It's about, let's see, what was it? About midnight here. Woke me up. Got a text. A man from uh, 1981. It was in June of 1981. He sent me a copy off his cell phone of a sermon I preached in June of 1981 in Gasburg, Indiana. And he said, you know, I'm burning to him. 
He said, Bertie, I just wanted you to see this. I've gone over these notes and I saw the date on the sermon. It, it had my name on there. He took notes in a service. He said, I want to tell you, I've looked at these notes from, what was that, 42 years ago. He said, I'm looking at these notes and they're changing my life again. From that long ago. He said, these have changed my life. And he had all the scriptures and things I said 42 years ago at a sermon there. It was 3 o'clock in the morning from him. Why was he up at 3 o'clock? I don't know. But 3 o'clock in the morning he sent that to me. And so I'm just saying that whole thing was I fed those people in that church in Gasburg, Indiana, with knowledge and understanding and still affect them today. Amen. And so that's why God was the time then. And so... Uh, and then also, I want to look at point number two on this, is why he wants you to do this. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 2. And so, you bring the tithe into the storehouse, not only do you get spiritual food, but that's where the food, the things to take care of the pastors come from, is from the tithe. It takes care of the storehouse, it takes care of us. And so, Acts chapter 6, verse 2. I want you to get down to that last part. It says, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. God wants the upkeep of the ministry team to be taken care of by the tithe. Can you see that? That's why God wants you to take the first step because we're in this together. God says, bring the tithe in and it gives you spiritual food. It gives them natural food. And the natural food would be take care of our lives. Take care of our families. Take care of us. And the, the disciples said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 4, skip down to verse 4. But we will give ourselves, continue to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. We will give ourselves, continue to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. And I think about this. If I would have been out driving a truck this past Wednesday... Instead of fellowship with Jesus, I wouldn't have this tonight. If I, if I would have had to have worked all weekend at some job, some secular job, and I had to preach tonight, I'd come in, I'd put on a fake face, and I all things well, but I'd just be thinking, man, I'm tired. I want to go and get some rest. I got to get out of here. I could probably read some nice thing and say some nice things, but sure would be very anointed. You know why? Because I didn't have to serve tables this weekend. I was able to give myself continued to prayer to the, to, to the ministry. And you know what ministry means to serve? So I'm serving, but not somewhere else. I'm serving spiritual food to you tonight. I'm serving spiritual food out now. And so why the tithe? Step number one. Because that's even as your soul prospers, that takes care of you if your soul to prosper because you did your part. So we can do our part, so God can do his part, which is to prosper you and put you in health. Amen? Amen. Does anybody get the understanding out of this? Amen. And so anyway, the tithe is 10% of your gross income, and we're not going into that. But I want to look at one more thing in closing, because we've got to see the parallel worlds we live in. So who really receives God's tithes? Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. And I know when I first got saved, I was around a lot of religious people at different times. And because religious people that haven't been New Testament taught have just been kind of religiously brainwashed. I would always hear this stupid thing. Well, the tithe's not New Testament. That's just Old Testament. Where's the book of Hebrews at, old or new? It's in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews 
tells us this part. It says Jesus is at the right hand of God. That's Hebrews 7, 8. Make an intercession for us. Aren't we glad that he's still doing that? First John chapter 1, verse 9 says Jesus is our advocate. Isn't it nice to know that? All those things Jesus is in the New Testament. And so do you think that this verse right here, verse 8, is by accident? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. Who really, who really receives God's tithes? Now get, get this revelation, because this here kind of seals step number one, where I think you'll really see this, because you've got to get step number one for step number two, three, four, whatever else we're going to be showing you, which is a lot, for that will be effective. And who really receives God's tithes? It says, verse eight, here men that die receives tithes. That's the job of pastors and ministers is receive the God, the tithe as God's representative. God doesn't need our money in heaven. He needs our money on earth. God doesn't have a light bill. Jesus lights up heaven. God doesn't have a road crew. They made the streets of gold one time. Everything up there is taken care of, but God needs them on earth for the gospel to go forth from the earth. He needs them on earth for your spiritual hospital to be here if you need help and love and healing. Amen. And so here men that die receive tithes, but there in heaven, Jesus receives them. Jesus receives your tithes spiritually of whom is witness that he liveth. Remember, we live and function in parallel worlds. When we pray for healing, if you lay hands on you, healing comes down through hands to you, but it comes from Jesus through us to you. Healing is spiritual, first of all. The Holy Spirit does the healing through us. So it's spiritual and it's natural. See the parallel worlds. That's how it works. And so it says Jesus receives them there. And so the Bible is very plain. Tithing is a physical thing and a spiritual thing. Amen. Tithing is spiritual. Tithing is physical. We did the same thing this week that we've done all of our Christian life. I get, I get paid by the church a salary. It's direct deposit like a matter of everything else is. When that direct deposit comes into my checking account, I've got the app on my phone. I look at it, said our, our income came in today. We get Social Security. Our income comes in. As soon as that happens, I pull out my checkbook. I still like to do checkbooks. I pull out my checkbook. I write HDWC and what the tithe is on my gross pay it goes in there. When Social Security comes, what the tithe is on my Social Security, I put it in there. When my teamster's pension comes, when the tithe comes in, I put it in there. Put it right down because they bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Amen. And then you know what we do next? I walk over to my wife. We hold the check up to heaven. And we say things like this. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that we're living under the open windows of heaven. We thank you that the devourer is rebuked. We thank you. This is all Malachi chapter 3. We thank you that people see us and call us blessed. And we say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for blessing us to have the tithe to give to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. And I always, since I've been a pastor, say this. I always say, Lord, I think you've got a church full of people following me in tithes and offerings as I follow you. Amen. And do you think that might have to do why the church prospers? Amen. Because Jesus is the Lord of the tithe. And so it's very plain that spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. This is step number one for God's financial plan for you. The spiritual always determines the natural. Say with me, say the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad.
And so I spent a lot of time on this, on step number one, because you've got to take step number one for the rest of work. If you skip it, then the rest of the steps that we look at, there'll be good things to do, but won't have the full blessing of God on them. And so take the first step from the Bible and bring your tithe faithfully to Jesus, and you'll have 90% blessed and to go a lot further than 100% still under the curse. Amen. That's the best I got. Amen. Amen. I, I think about the Apostle John said in Third John, you stand up. We'll pray for you in just a minute. About what he said. He said in Third John 2, he said, we have no greater joy than to hear when our children walk in truth. And so when, when our church family, the people that we're accountable to God for, get a hold of the truth of the Word of God, their lives begin to change, that's where our joy is. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, don't forget the bookstore. We'll, we'll pray for you. But I just, I just want to remind you, we've got those resources back there, and that's what you need to keep on feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding. And say no to fear and yes to faith. And if you're not a person that ties, jump into that first step because God's the one that said, I open the windows of heaven and the blessings are going to start hitting your family. Amen. Amen. Well, if you need prayer for anything, then we're going to worship Jesus for a few minutes and we'll pray with you. And if you need a prayer or agreement about your finances or something like that, let us agree with you. Let us pray with you. Anything you have need of, Jesus is in the house because we're here and we're all full of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, Josh.
right, we're going to go ahead and close things out tonight. Amen. You Sunday night crowd, you're the hardcore ones. You get you get the extra work there. Amen. I love it. Going deeper in the things of God. So, amen. Well, it's going to be a great week. want to remind you that our uh, worship night is coming up Saturday night, 6 p.m. at Midtown Chapel location. So be there for that. And uh, we're just going to have a fantastic time. And, of course, all the great Harvest Fest stuff coming up. Make sure you stay in the loop there. Uh, the ushers just handed me a note that they found some AirPods outside. So if you lost those, please see Jesse to describe what the case looks like. Because all the other AirPods, they just look the same, right? So you got to describe the case if you want your AirPods back. All right, praise God. Well, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. And then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God, Lord. And and all these verses that we're looking at are incredible. And, Lord, we know that they are true. You do desire. And and, and as you said in, in 3 John 2, you wish above all things that we would prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. And so, Lord, as we're studying this out, I thank you that you're showing us the right things to do with our finances. And we will seek you first. And we know that you said in Matthew 6, 33, all these things that we need, they'll be added unto us. And so we will obey you. And we know that there is blessing in it for us, Father. We love you and praise you in Jesus name. Can everybody say amen? All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.